Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Two Sisters podcast. It is Wealth Wellness Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, February 23rd. I always have to remind myself what the date is. You know, dates seem to run as I get, you know, a little bit older, the dates and everything seems to meld into one. But in any event, again, good morning, everyone. My name is Janice, AKA Wellness Diva 5.0. And you may see that we're missing a sister today. We're hoping that she will be on, but she is traveling. So we're not sure that she will be on. So just wanted to alert you. Today, we have an amazing guest and you know, Carol Sue and I uh, love the fact that we have the opportunity to really engage in some incredible conversations with uh, entrepreneurs who are also in the same industry that we are, the wealth, um, I'm sorry, the wellness um, industry. And obviously we love um, wellness, you know, through diet, fitness, nutrition, and everything that kind of rolls in with that. So today we want to welcome Joanna Johnston. Welcome to the Two Sisters podcast. We are so excited to have you on with us today. So welcome. Thank you so much, Janice. I'm delighted to be here. You're awesome. Um, and as I said, you are a health coach, but you know, what I loved about your health coaching story and we, when we chatted uh, a couple months ago, you are the creator of Simple diet solutions. And I really was captivated by that. So can you tell us about your, your journey to not only become a health coach, but how you created simple diet solutions? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a story that, that really goes back, um, you know, almost my whole life as, as I suppose most of us do, right. We're, we're all the culmination of everything that's happened to us. Um, all throughout our lives. Um, when I was growing up, uh, my mother had a couple of what would now be called food sensitivities. And so I actually grew up uh, reading labels and looking for uh, even hidden ingredients. Uh, and it was something that came uh, very naturally to me, but it never occurred to me to use it for anything more complicated than those couple of what I thought were very isolated, very unusual, um, sorts of sensitivities that had a very immediate, very, um, very obvious kind of reaction. So obviously, if you eat a thing and it makes you sick, you don't do that, right? Uh, it wasn't until uh, my son received a diagnosis of um, what's now generally called autism spectrum disorder. At the time, it was uh, Asperger and ADHD combined type, um, meaning both inattentive and hyperactive. And um, I read a little bit about it and was actually able to realize that dietary therapies were very effective for those things as well. Uh, and so we started working with him and we got uh, some testing done. And um, 10 years later, he, he doesn't qualify for a diagnosis anymore is the, is the short, short version. Um, but so uh, we, we tried many things and, uh, you know, uh, along the way, I really discovered that that uh, method of changing one's diet is um, really, really powerful and uh, completely available to everyone for anything they may be dealing with health-wise. Uh, and so I began studying into it more now that my son is, is grown and has been out on his own for uh, going on three years now. 
uh, I've, I've begun putting together uh, this, this program of, and I'm calling it simple diet solutions because the idea is, as I said, really very simple. You eat a thing, it makes you sick, so you don't do that. But discovering what those things can be and um, the, the individual aspects, and also there are some, as I originally read, some things that um, are commonly triggers for specific um, issues and conditions. And so I began studying that and um, working with others to help them uh, use their diet to, to address their, their health concerns. Wow. Um, I don't know if you saw, but I was feverishly writing here. And of course, for our listeners, um, I had a, what I call a jaw drop moment. Um, I'm going to kind of back up with my notes here and get back and kind of move forward a little bit. So you mentioned food sensitivities, which a lot of Americans have. And like you said, when we eat something and we get sick, then we know we shouldn't eat it. But a lot of times people don't recognize that we still we still want what we want, and yet they still go for that. So I guess the question with that would be, what would you suggest to someone? Obviously, I know what I would do, but I love hearing um, other experts' opinion on this. What would you suggest to someone who, for instance, is facing maybe um, having gallbladder surgery because every time they eat a certain food, they're getting sick and that that disrupts their the gallbladder production. What is some advice or some um, words of encouragement, anything that you can tell us from your point of view, other than um, obviously we know we shouldn't be eating that, right? So what are what suggestions can you um, tell us that you've coached your clients with if they're facing something like that? Yeah, you know, Janice, with as with so many things, it um, often involves just a, a little bit of a shift in our thinking, right? Uh, you said, oh, well, we want what we want. And that's true. But uh, if you want what's bad for you, um, you know, what I would coach people is, you know, to really look at uh, what's underneath, you know, why do you want what's bad for you? Um, and it's, it's, much more obvious in a situation like my mother had, right, where you eat the thing and you're throwing up within, you know, an hour, um, that, that a particular food is, when the symptom is very immediate, obvious, uncomfortable, usually those changes are relatively easy to make. But uh, some, of the, some of the more longer term things, you know, maybe you don't get super uncomfortable right away. Um, and so you keep, you think you can keep doing it, well, at least sometimes, right? And there's a great deal of um, advice in discussion uh, out there about, um, about diet and about um, whether or not you really have to do this sort of thing as a, um, you know, as, as a really committed decision, right? Um, a lot of a lot of diets are only meant to do be done for a short period of time, you know, and then they tell you, well, then you can just go back to doing whatever. So it's a it's a short term um, deprivation based 
thing and nobody enjoys it. And, and I find that that attitude is, is very unproductive. So I work with people to help them create an attitude of, um, you know, I'm doing what's best for me. And uh, I'm doing this because I love myself or I love my family or, you know, my children, my grandkids, I want to be there for my grandkids, you know, these kinds of things uh, that, uh, that resonate with people. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're making yourself sick uh, every time you eat, you're, you're not going to be able to do all that. And so just kind of creating that shift around the thinking about, well, what do I want and why do I want it? Exactly. And I love what you said. And, and there's a key there, the shift of thinking. Um, because I was, I was actually describing a situation that I had before I really knew anything about uh, nutrition. And I kind of picked up on that. And I'm like, okay, every time and I keep food diaries. And I was like, wait a minute, my body is giving me a signal, usually within an hour after having whatever it was, I'm getting sick. So what does that tell me? Then I shouldn't be eating that. And I was getting gallbladder attacks. So once they found out, you know, I knew there was something going on. And I think the shift in thinking is really tuning into uh, not only the emotional aspect of eating, because there is an emotional aspect of eating, but also listening to those cues about asking those specific questions. I was faced with um, having gallbladder surgery and I'm like, no, thank you. No. Now that I know that I can shift my dietary um, intake in a different manner, um, I don't know. I just want to keep all my body parts that I want to keep, <laughs> you know, uh, if I don't need to put myself obviously through a surgery, I don't want to do that. Um, and, you know, long story short with that, obviously I didn't have the gallbladder surgery, but I'm very mindful of that and different, um, clients that I've coached throughout the years where we talk about and, you know, go through the the emotional part of it which is very can be very overwhelming because uh food is often associated with our emotions and so forth and so on um and i lo love the fact that you really are down to earth and work with your clients in such a manner where they can really move forward with their diet, you know, their dietary restrictions that they may have, or that things that may pop up. Um, I know, and I know that keeping journals of what we write, but I would off, often kind of uh, guide my clients to, to write why they're eating what they're eating. And I thought on a whole base that it was very enlightening not only to myself but obviously to the client like a lot of times when you journal out and let's say you're journaling for seven days I always say go back and read what you've written like what were your emotions how are you feeling what were some of the triggers that maybe you didn't realize or maybe subconsciously you knew but you just kind of put them to the side um, so thank you so much for sharing that I think that is so important um, I want to get back to something you said earlier, something about uh, reading food labels came very natural for you. 
And I think that's amazing because you don't hear that that often. And you had mentioned something about your mom and um, what she was going through. So kind of walk us through like what you look for when you're looking, reading and looking at labels. You're not just glancing at them. You are actually taking it in, reading it and maybe you know, okay, this product is not good. Can you walk us through that process? Sure. Well, it really depends on who I'm reading the label for, because um, this is a very individualized kind of thing. Um, but I did develop the habit uh, very early. And now it's literally the first thing I do, you know, when I'm in the store and there's a product and I go, oh, I haven't seen that before. I pick it up and turn it over. Um, and, you know, I don't look at the picture on the front. I don't look at the you know, if you could see the product, I don't look at that. I turn it over and see what's in it. Uh, and so, so I do read for different things for different people. Um, uh, for example, my son has some different uh, restrictions than, uh, than what I uh, use myself. And, and this, this is definitely something that I, that I use myself. It's not just something I recommend to, uh, to other people. Um, but one of the things that's, uh, very important about label reading is you need to learn the alternate names for uh, the things that you may be um, having issues with because, you know, a lot of times there'll be these like, you know, long chemical sounding names um, or even just something fairly innocuous sounding like natural flavor that can really be almost anything. And uh, so depending on what it is you're looking to avoid, uh, you may wind up having to be very careful about those kinds of things. Uh, when I was growing up, we had to look for onion powder specifically as a uh, seasoning. Uh, if it was any other uh, form of onion or natural flavor, you know, and it was like a, a savory uh, taste, uh, we would skip it because that was that was her thing. It was onions, and um, and you want to talk about something that's in everything. Uh, it's really in everything, and uh, often isn't listed because it'll be hidden under spices and natural flavors and, and things so that the, the manufacturer doesn't have to disclose their recipe. Ah, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I think that's so interesting um, how you describe that because not many people know that, that, you know, natural flavorings that really could be anything and, and disguised. Um, you know, I think some things, the you know, obviously we can pick out, for instance, anything with an OSE at the end of it is sugar, you know, the more sugar there's in something, obviously that's, you know, no good. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I want to chat about your son, if you don't mind. Um, and that was my jaw dropping moment when you were describing the different dietary therapies that your son went through. Um, and if you can just kind of walk us through that a little bit. Sure. Well, once again, it was very individualized. So what I'm about to describe isn't necessarily a generalized recommendation for anyone on the autism spectrum, but we did, we went through a kind of a cumulative process. Uh, we began with a gluten-free casein-free diet. And for those, for those who don't know, casein is a milk protein. Uh, and so it's a, it's a, um, stronger restriction on milk products than uh, just uh, dairy-free or lactose-free. Uh, you have to actually get rid of um, any uh, dairy uh, products at all. 
Uh, and then we, we went from there and we added soy. Uh, and then we had some specific testing done uh, and he came back allergic to 66 different things, uh, which sounds like a lot, but fortunately the test uh, tested over 120 things. And I believe they're now testing over 150, uh, the same, same company, same test is uh, testing more things. So it did give us approximately the same number of um, other things that, uh, that were safe to eat. And so we just built a diet um, around those and it was after about five weeks on that uh, specifically allergy diet um, that the ADHD basically evaporated and never came back. Uh, and uh, then, then we went from there and um, added a few other specific things here and there. We did redo the allergy test after about 18 months and we're down to only 24 allergen items. So that was very nice because it was very uh, quantitative uh, result that we could see. Uh, as opposed to just, you know, observing his um, behavior and school performance and that sort of thing. That's, and, um, that's that, I, mean, I apologize for interrupting you, but that blows my mind. You, he went from, I think he said 66. Mm -hmm. And after 18 months to 24. Mm -hmm. That's right. Same list of foods and um, only, only sensitive to 24. So, so that's the real um, take home message of this kind of thing is that if you're dealing with a lot of this kind of stuff, um, you, can, uh, you, can, you can do the elimination um, and actually sometimes heal, sometimes to the point where your body won't react to these things anymore. And that's, that's a pretty common uh, finding in situations where we have many, many sensitivities. Now, if we have, you know, one or a few, you know, that's really causing a health issue like yours with your gallbladder, you know, you're going to be better off as I'm sure you've realized um, to just go ahead and avoid those things permanently. Um, and that was what I grew up with. My mother just never ate onions uh, if she could possibly help it. And, uh, and so there, there is some, there is, there's, there's some healing available. Um, there's definitely symptom relief available. Um, and sometimes you know, if the food is really actually causing the, um, the, the uh, you know, diagnosable condition, uh, you really do need to um, avoid it forever. Like my son's never gone back to gluten or casein or soy, you know, those are really the big ones. Um, and the, the final layer um, that we added on as he got older is, um, you know, he doesn't really eat very much in the way of um, high carbohydrate foods. So, I mean, you know, meat and vegetables is a perfectly uh, valid way to subsist. And, um, and he does find, you know, I taught him to cook a uh, variety of things that, um, that he can eat. So he goes to the store and shops and, you know, it's a, it's a fairly, um, uh, he doesn't experiment very much, but I can't say I blame him. <laughs> you know, wow. that, you know, that really truly is amazing that through the elimination part of it, there was healing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, not only the love of a mom, obviously, um, but the power of how that healing, how the elimination process works to direct you, or in this case, direct your son to healing. And I think that in and of itself just kind of blows my mind. And I, I think that's just absolutely amazing. 
you know, you mentioned um, the hidden, and I was writing this real fast and I'm trying to read my own handwriting, <clears throat> excuse me, that the casing of different products. Now, I know that a lot of people don't know what casing is, a lot of people do, um, but if you could just describe that a little more for us. Um, sure, well, uh, casein is spelled C-A-S-E-I-N, uh, and it's the primary protein in milk. Uh, it actually turns out that most uh, food sensitivities as compared to food allergies and other types of reactions um, are to the protein in the item. Um, and that was, um, most often it's the protein. Uh, and so with the, uh, with the casein protein, it's actually very similar in its uh, chemical structure to the gluten protein and frequently folks on the autism spectrum and with various other conditions um, are lacking an enzyme that breaks down that protein. And so um, they, don't, they don't digest it efficiently and uh, it's the um, incompletely digested remnants of those proteins um, that wind up um, triggering the immune system and causing a lot of symptoms. Thank you for sharing that with us. You are so, uh, so right. And uh, what, what are the different avenues that our listeners and viewers can contact you at? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I do, um, I'm, I'm putting together some programs. And, uh, you know, if you want to find out more about that, uh, you can just shoot me an email over at support at snoringdietsolution.com. And you can, I love you can that guess, email. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can guess from my email there uh, what one of my primary topics uh, is that a lot of people come to me for, and we haven't had time to chat about it today, but uh, you can definitely uh, find out more about that uh, from me. And just to let everybody know, I do not snore, although my husband may argue with me on that fact. But anyways, um, I want to thank you so much for um, being here today. And I, I hope you definitely will consider coming back because there's so much more um, we want to cover. And it was just a delight having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, folks, you know, at Two Sisters, we love to showcase um, other entrepreneurs that, that are in our um, you know, what we're passionate about. And Joanna really brought forth today um, some amazing things that, you know, that perhaps somebody out there is struggling with. So, you know, please feel free to reach out to her. And, you know, obviously with it being Wealth Wellness Wednesday, you all know how we feel about that at Two Sisters. It's the chance to share the wealth, but more importantly, create the ripple effect that, you know, maybe you're at the coffee shop and you pay for the person's coffee behind you. Um, it's not about the monetary value or the amount. It's about creating that gratitude in that ripple effect. And on that note, thank you so much, everyone, for being here today. And we will see you tomorrow. Uh, I may be going solo. I'm not sure what's going on with traveling with my sister. But this is Two Sisters, and I am Janice, a.k.a. Wellness Diva 5.0. We ho hope you all have an amazing Wednesday. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.